box. If I was muted, I don't know what happened there. Let's try that again. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Happy July. We made it. It's summertime. Finally, if you're a parent of a child that was in school or you're a student yourself, time to relax. I'm married to a teacher and I got school-aged kids and it's been so nice to just let it all go. New York is back open, almost 100% open. You can run around freely. It feels really great. And uh, if you made it this far, you deserve to pat yourself on the back. Before I bring my guest on, the message of the week, I've said this many times. It's a, it's a, a message I will share till my last days because it's so effective. It's a piece of advice I got from one of my mentors, Anthony D. Silvestro, also known as Tony D. He said this to me a long time ago. He said a lot of really great things to me, and I ignored most of it, but this one stuck with me. I never really laid the foundation for today's show. And he told me a long time ago, he said, it's better to own... of five things, then 100% of one. I think today's guest will agree with that and uh, will expound upon that uh, that ideology as it applies to business ownership, investment, entrepreneurship. With that, I'd like to welcome to the show Amit Gaglani, zooming all the way from Hawaii. It's bright and early there for you, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. And it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, allowing me to uh, share my story and my, my wins with everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Pleasure to have you. Uh, thanks for getting up uh, so early. You're yeah. six hours behind, right? Yeah, it's pretty early here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 6 a.m., which usually isn't so bad. But when you're on vacation and you're, you're enjoying <laughs> yourselves in Hawaii, it seems, it seems a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a great you know, way to start the show. He's, he's vacationing in Hawaii, largely based off of um, income derived from from some wise investments is that correct yeah some passive investments i decided to take my family here for a month so we've been we've been enjoying ourselves for a month all over hawaii yeah it's funny we run into people and people say oh so how long are you here you know thinking we're here for another few days we're like no nah, we're here for a month they're like a month <laughs> we're like yeah yeah we kind of made it happen and like you said it was through all those passive investment deals that i was investing in so this show is going to hurt a little bit for some of us, but we have to just push through the pain to get to the good stuff on the other side. <laughs> that's great. And it sucks to hear, but that's great. Good for you. Um, so, but you, you basically, you know, coming from the physical therapy background, is that correct? Yeah, I am a physical therapy owner. I had four clinics in uh, uh, New Jersey um, a while back. And then I partnered with a private equity company and now we have basically about a hundred. So there's a a business background there that, uh, you know, wasn't just that, you know, I, I was a physical therapist. I I made some moves a while ago, you know, uh, determining that, you know, what, what path I wanted to chart for myself and my family and and, and my life. You know, I knew as a physical therapist, there was only a certain number of patients I could treat myself. And then you get, you know, you're, you're tapped out. You can only earn so much. So yeah. I decided long ago that I was going to apply some, you know, business to the business. And I, and I wanted to get to the point of like, you know, um, I guess how Emith uh, wrote it, you know, working yeah. on the business instead of in the business. Yeah, it's a good move. It's funny. I read that book several years ago. A friend uh, shared that with me and it was very eye opening for me where I was at you know, in, in my own business um, and really, you know, took to it. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and we had to scale a lot of that back because we yeah. lost staff, you know, and, and income dropped big time. We did what we had to oh, do yeah. for survival. But it's funny because now it's coming full circle yep. and I'm getting to do it again. Yeah. And I have like a renewed vision um, for it this time. So hopefully it would be a little bit more successful. It's a great book. Michael Gerber, right, is the author. That's it. That's it, yeah. Michael Gerber. Yeah. If you haven't, uh, and our 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 mutual friend, got to give a shout out to Lance Knob. Uh, he's absolutely. always absolutely. He's uh, he's always talking about that book, and uh, he might have, he may have written other stuff as well. But yeah, Lance is always quoting him. And Which, incidentally, I know Lance from physical therapy school. Right, of course. We share the same flat together. Yeah, so we went to PT school together, and we've kept in touch this whole time. And you know, he's doing phenomenal with his business coaching things, and you know, we stay in touch and. You know, he's helping me on some business moves that I'm I'm trying to make as well. So, likewise, you know. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it's it's interesting the way we get into it, right? Like you start your own business, and that's like one 
aspect of business. It's just like you were saying, you know, that there's a there's a pretty low ceiling in terms of how much you can really make if it's just like you, like, you know, you have a family run business or something of that nature. Yeah. It only goes so far, but then you get into like the business, like like the real business, um, the, the more esoteric stuff. And then you really get to open that ceiling up. And right. so, you know, back to today's kind of topic is you at a certain point realized there were um, some some wise investment choices. And we kind of, uh, you know, scratched the surface of this yesterday when we were talking that, you know, it is important as a business owner to reinvest in your business to some degree. But when you put all your eggs in that one basket, yeah. again, that ceiling kind of drops a little bit lower again. And, and, you know, you really like struck a nerve with me when you were saying that yesterday. It's like, you got to kind of sparse it out. It doesn't have to be, you know, like the, the quote for today that my, my mentor gave me, it wasn't like hard math. Like if you have a hundred thousand dollars, put 20,000 here, 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 and you know, five different things. But like you were saying yesterday, it has to kind of float and fluctuate where you're investing maybe the, the majority of your money in your business, but you have right. some discretionary income to put in whatever you want to, you know, put it into. And then those tides might recede and, and ebb and flow a little bit where like, maybe you're putting less into your business at this point and you're getting to put a little bit more. Yeah. Investment. So I'd really love to like hear personally for my own sure. <laughs> investment, uh, you know, uh, desires, but, but really for like, you know, listeners out there who maybe have their own business already and they're, they're trying to figure this out. They're trying to like really understand what to do with the, the money that they have coming in. And, and, and even more so for potentially somebody that's just starting on the journey who has no idea. And they think I like me when I first started, I'm like, I got to put all my money into this thing. Like every, like exhaust my savings just to get it up and running. And that, that can be a hard path to walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I was down on that same road because I didn't know any better. You know, I was just right. building my business, building my business. And as we all know, as business owners and you're starting off, you're pouring everything you have into that business, which at the time makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Who are you going to bet on other than yourself? You know, that's where you're going to get the biggest return. And it does make sense. But if you step back and you say, wait a second, you know, there's these things called mutual funds. And what do they do? They put money in different places so they can get a blended return and they, so they can kind of even out the risk. I do the same thing with my business and I say, you know what, obviously I'm going to pour a lot of money and savings into my business, but maybe I should put money in over here. Maybe I should put a little bit of money over here just to diversify. And the things that I've been enjoying doing is putting it into passive investments where you're also earning cash flow. You know, the main key there is if you're earning, you know, it's great for people you know, who believe in the stock market and they're putting in the stock market and they're saying, yeah, when I'm, you know, seven years old, I'm going to cash out, you know, and that's what, that's going to be my retirement egg, but that's not helping you right now unless you're selling those, but then you got a tax consequence every time that you sell those, you know? So if you're looking for the long-term, yeah, but you know, how do you know for a fact that when long-term comes that the stock market's going to be up and it's not going to be down when you need it, you know? So I started taking a different approach, you know, years and years ago, I started investing in these off-market deals that really you don't hear too much about and they're passive investments and they give appreciation later but they're also giving you cash flow right now and that cash flow right now is what is allowing me to do what i'm doing right now because it's helping me to also pay my bills but it's it's supplementing and and the the the, the big point is you want to get to a point where your passive income significantly overtakes your active income at that point job option. Do I feel like working two days a week? Do I feel like working three days a week? Do, you know, do what you want to do, but it's an option for you. And as we all know, the best thing in life is having options. You know, when you don't have options, that kind of sucks. So, you know, having that kind of freedom is what I decided that, you know, something I wanted to do. So I've been investing in those type of deals. And, you know, that should be a t-shirt. You should brand that job yeah, optional right. job that's, optional. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a, that should be a book title. Job yeah. Well, when you approach everything from that <laughs> point of view that, you know what, I want passive income. So it's job optional. So yeah, you know, and the, and a lot of these investments that I'm doing aren't something that your financial advisor is going to discuss mm -hmm. to you about. Cause there's a couple of reasons for, uh, for that. One of them is they may not be able to make any money from it and they have to earn a living too. Right. Secondly, you know, they may not know how to evaluate these types of deals. 
you know, these are not your typical stock market deals. These aren't mentioned in their, you know, they're taking an exam to become a financial advisor. Um, there are certain names for these security exams that they take, but none of these type of investments are even mentioned in there. The structure, you know, after all, these type of investments, you're backing an individual business that has a, a track history. You know, that's the one I, I do. I'm backing a horse that has, you know, won other races in the past, you know, and I'm backing them for a preferred return, you know, as well as, um, you know, some skin in the game and in some options, each one's is structured really differently. Some of them give you cash flow now, some of them are appreciation, you know, four or five years from now, and they give you all your money back and you own a piece of the, the, the company, which really intrigued me because when I got started and Lance can tell you when he got started and anybody who's a business owner, you put a lot of your effort into that company, right? You're doing from early morning to late night to weekends, you're working on it. You know, in my case, if somebody were to have kind of backed me at that time, they'd be making millions right now because they backed a horse that was not willing to give up, you know, that was really pushing, pushing, pushing. So what I'm doing with these deals, you know, and these are syndicated deals. There are known to some people who are in this kind of world of syndication and that looking at these deals, you know, I'm looking at who's the operator, you know, what track history do they have? I look at their financials. So I'm really vetting out the deals. And then I say, you know what? This guy's a really good operator. He knows his space. They've been doing this for a while. I'm going to put my money in with them. And lately, what I've been able to do is um, because I've done it for so long and my friends have seen the results that I've been getting, they started jumping in with me. So now that small group has turned into 50 plus people who are investors that jump in with me. And now when I show up for an investment, I'm showing up with a lot of money. And I'm able to help dictate, you know, I wouldn't want to say dictate, I'm a help, I'm able to help negotiate better terms for all of us. Terms with better um, ROI, so better reimbursement for us, um, tax mitigations, so they're more tax efficient too, and risk mitigation, so we're not taking so much risk. We're at the highest level of if anything goes wrong, we get our money first or something mm -hmm. to that degree. So it's those three pillars, high ROI, uh, risk mitigation, and tax efficiency that I'm always Man, looking for. You said the three pillars. You've been hanging with my boy, Tony D. He talks about the three pillars all the time. Are he those was, three pillars? I thought I made them up. I didn't even realize. Oh Maybe man, I, I got to connect you guys. He was, <laughs> he was hot on Clubhouse, you know, at the beginning oh. of the year, he's hosting these massive rooms and it was all about the three pillars. He's been talking about it for decades. I worked for him. I started working for him in the early nineties and we've stayed really close uh, this whole time. And he just hammers it. He's always like, what are your three pillars? What are your three pillars? Like every new idea I come up with, that's the first question he asked me is like, what are your three pillars? Get that in alignment. So it's great. Kind of makes sense, right? You know, does, you have to have a absolutely. pillar to have a foundation, you know, you yeah. have to have a foundation. So, you know, if, I, if, if I'm approaching every single investment with those things in mind, thinking, you mm -hmm. know what, it has to make sense in these three things for me. Yeah. And then only and only then will I invest. And usually if I'm investing, then I, I let my friends know and then they're jumping in too whoever wants to. So, yeah. And, and what you were saying about, you know, now that you've got this, this deep group of people, you just really have a lot more leveraging power when you yes. go into these, when you go into these uh, situations and meetings and everything. And yeah. And I'm looking for different types of those investments. They're not all the same either. Some yeah. of them are multifamily. Some of them are self-storage or ATMs or, you know, multifamilies around the country or this, you know, a recent one was a, a wedding venue that has a golf course and a winery and they're buying multiple properties and they're doing phenomenal. Believe it or not, even during COVID, they yeah. did phenomenal. They went from two and a half million to 12 million in, during COVID because they were able to figure out a different source because they couldn't do weddings. They were doing all these outdoor events, which everybody wanted to attend because guess what? Nobody could do anything else. <laughs> and, and now they probably have that folded in and oh, the yes. weddings, and then it's about the lids about to just like New York City, it's about to pop. <laughs> you can that, feel that's it. That's exactly it. Now that they yeah. figured that out, they're like, "Well, we're not going to get rid of that. We're yeah. going to just add that in into what we're already doing." And so they're they're really you know doing great, and they're look we're already looking at purchasing other properties and and, and things like that. So yeah, the, those it's it's some exciting stuff that's happening. Yeah, it's exciting times for sure. Well, we're going to take our first break. Hang tight, everybody. We'll be back in just a few with more excitement. Stay on the edge of your seat. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. 
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. If you're just tuning in, again, you're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. We're zooming all the way to Hawaii today, talking with uh, investment specialist, uh, Amit Gaglani. And uh, in the first segment, we're just kind of laying the foundation for uh, wise ways to, to spread your wealth around. Um, and you gave me uh, definitely the title for the show for the YouTube version. It's going to be job optional. <laughs> so he was talking about getting to the point where your uh, side investments surpass your income from, from say, your brick and mortar or whatever your, uh, your own personal business is to really give you that option to go into work or spend a month in Hawaii, as he is doing right now. Um, one of the things you said in the last segment, you you know, talking about these are these are investments that your financial advisor is likely not privy to, and that you yourself are the one who's really like vetting the process, and you get personal with the owner. You want to speak to the owner. You want to look at the financials, and and the the reason I feel like you didn't say it, but I I, I wanted to just see if you agree. Um, the reason you're able to do that is because you've been through that fire yourself with your own business and you know what to look for because you probably faced, you know, potential catastrophe or, oh, yeah. you know, like all those things you've, you've had your back against the wall. So you know what the red flags look like. So when you're talking to the owner and you're getting a, you're getting, you know, their feedback, your, your, their mannerisms, everything about the way they talk about their business. Like you said, you know, if someone would have invested in you, it would have been a, a big ROI because you were like the horse that just would never quit. It would like, so yeah. you're, you're trying to get that sense from them personally on a personal yeah. level, just through their body language and, and everything. The whole bunch, you know, I'm usually yeah. there kicking the tires around their business and, and trying to see this thing. But you know what? Not to interrupt you, I got to say, no, no, go ahead. I'm not a financial professional. Like I'm not anybody, right. you know, I'm literally somebody who started a business and had to learn step by step everything. I had to learn QuickBooks. I had to learn how to read a financial spreadsheet. I had to understand what a balance sheet is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these things did not just come. I didn't go to school for that. I didn't, I have no idea. I'm just a business owner that has over 15 years of business experience, just kind of leveled up every single, every couple of years. I just kept pushing the, the envelope to kind of level up. And I was able to get my company in a position where somebody wanted to acquire it and saw a lot of value for it. So they were able to pay me. But then I also retained ownership of 
you know, a smaller ownership of the big, you know, company. So I'm still working day to day in that. But as you can tell, I, I don't do it at the same pace that I was doing before, because I do still love what I was doing. So I'm not off the grid by any means. I still work and I enjoy what I do. But I take some of the money that I've earned over time. And I've been investing in these deals. And like you said, these deals, you know, I call them off market deals, because they're not like, highly publicized, you know, uh, things like that, you won't see them in, in advertisements all over the place, you know, some of them do tend to advertise. Now, some of them are for what they call accredited investors, which is a whole different definition all to itself, which some people have heard of, and some people haven't heard of, but, you know, it's, for an investor, some of these deals are structured that way. And it's the SEC rules, by the way. It's not like the investment wants to do it. It's the SEC says, you know what, we don't want people who've literally saved all their money all their life and don't have enough money coming in to invest on something. Because God forbid that goes belly up, then you're out on the street. So they say that these accredited investors and, and your listeners, whoever are interested, should look up the term because honestly, it should be every business person's goal to become an accredited investor because an accredited investor by definition means that they're earning um, as an individual, they're earning $200,000 a year, but as a joint family member, they're earning $300,000 a year. These are two different qualifications. A third qualification, you know, it's any one of these, by the way, it's not all of these, you know, or that they have saved uh, enough money to consider their net worth to be a million dollars. Okay. And that's outside your personal home. So obviously I'm not an accountant, so somebody should look up these terms for themselves. So then the SEC says that these people are allowed to invest in these type of uh, investments. And, and the main reason is if they lose some money, they're not going to be out on the street, you know, mm -hmm. asking for, you know, uh, handouts. So, so yes. Where, where would uh, one learn more? You said, you know, these are not highly advertised. Like where really is uh, a place where someone could, uh, besides, you know, just speaking with you directly, yeah. like how did, how did you learn about these deals and get involved yourself? That, that's a really good question. You know, it's so funny though, when you've done something for so long, you kind of figure, you kind of, it's hard to realize where did it all start? Like who yeah. connected you? I know Lance connected me to one of the, the wedding venue ones. And, um, and I was listening to certain podcasts that were talking about it and then meet some people there that led me to other podcasts that led me to other people. So honestly, it's a whole connection of different people. And once you're in that circle, it's like you're exposed to it, but a lot of different podcasts that I've listened to, uh, there was a podcast that I started off listening to, which was meant for centimillionaires, which was like family offices. And I think Lance actually told me about that one. Actually, he did. And I started listening to it. So centimillionaires or families with, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, they had a podcast on what they're investing in. So hmm. it's not their podcast. It's, an, it's a, a person who started a company that pitches investments to these type of family offices. So I said, all right, well, let me find out what these guys are investing in. If these guys are hundred million dollar plus, you know, families that are investing in it and they do their due diligence. <laughs> I'm not going to create <laughs> another wheel. Let me just find out. Right. So I started listening to those and I started writing down the investments and I started researching wow. those investments. And that's kind of how it started for me that connected me to a whole bunch of other things. And now I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm in those circles. So I, I guess I guess I, I get to see those things. So really you built it the same way one would build a business. Like you just got in, there was nobody that was like, here's what you do. You just yeah. had to like do your own research. You really had to get scrappy. And I think that's a great lesson, like for the business owner, aspiring business owner, like you got to just get scrappy to get the business off the ground. But then when you're trying to level up that, that, uh, that ambition is is still what is still the driving force. Like nobody's going to do it for you. No. I mean, at this point there, you're saying you've created this almost like a, a conglomerate where like people can come to you and you, you have, you're, you're building this service now where you will, you will advise and take uh, investment money and, and help people strategically place it. But for you, that wasn't really there, right? You had to build this. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, this is this is not even a business what I'm doing. I'm investing my own money and my right. friends just jump in those 50 plus people. It's not like I'm taking a fee of anything like I'm right. investing my own money. So my friends just kind of jump in, 
with me and invest their own money. And they're also very busy professionals. Some of them are healthcare professionals and they don't have the time to look at this stuff or they're business owners. And honestly, they don't have time to go through that vetting process because they're so busy in their own business, right? You know, they're, they're spending all their time and energy there. But once they've seen the returns and they're like, okay, well, we know Amit's doing it. So, you know, he ends up doing all the vetting. We'll jump in. You know, of course, they do their own process, but they've already known there's a certain level that's already been done. So, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what I've been doing. And that's really like the ideal person for this, right? It's like that hustler that's just going yeah. and it's just like trying to make it happen. They've got some money put aside. They're super busy as it is. Otherwise they would take this on themselves yep. and just do it. But yeah. they, they, you know, they're, they're in the trenches and, uh, and, and they're just trying to make that move. And I don't want your, your, your listeners to feel like there's a, it, this is rocket science. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really not. This is a business owner that ran his own business that would talk to his accountant. His accountant would teach him different things and you would learn over time. And then you knew how your business worked. So you're just applying that same business acumen to somebody else's business saying, okay, well, if the business, if your business is all based on one person, what happens if something happens to you? That may not be, see, that's the risk profile that I may not want to do because mm -hmm. I don't want to base it off of one person. So I also look at their team say, how big is your team? Something happens to you. How, how do I know that your team is going to take over? Right. So it's all those things that you look at individually for your own business you know, that you, you are looking at for somebody else's business, like who's going to handle all this stuff? You know, what, you know, what are the things that I don't know? And I've visited some of these, um, actually most of these businesses myself, and I'm kicking the tires around, like in the case of the wedding venue one, you know, and they have restaurants and things. I was talking to the staff. The people there had no idea who I was. They didn't know I was mm. a potential investor. I was just talking to see what I could dig up and couldn't really find anything, you know, negative that everybody was just so happy working there, the environment, the culture that they built up. And that's really important too. a lot of businesses, especially when they come to mom and pop, as you may know, it's all dependent on that one person, you know, the culture is themselves, you mm -hmm. know, but if somebody is able to take that personal culture and imbue that on their, their, you know, their staff and their staff have, you know, bought into this, you know, and they're drinking the Kool-Aid and they believe in this. Now you got, you, you got some powerful force there, you know, that that's going to be able to generate a lot of money and a lot of goodwill too, which will, you know, generate money as well. And, and it's a good point you, you bring up because a lot of, a lot of business owners try to build, um, you know, this like profile on paper for how valuable their business is in, 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 you know, the hopes of, either selling or getting some yeah. sort of investment. But if you go around and talk to the, to the staff, everybody's pissed. Everybody hates everything. Right. Like communication is terrible. And that's, you know, that can cause some, some red flags, you know, maybe you get a guy that really just doesn't know what to look for and it looks good on paper and they buy or they invest. But um, I've been in this conversation a number of times and I advise somebody who is looking to open a restaurant with a goal of selling down the road at some point. And I said, then, trick yourself and and tell yourself you're not going to sell it start your business and build it as if you're going to pass it on to your kid because yeah. that is going to raise the value of it to a degree that it, you could you could surpass what you would get on paper you're just like oh here's our you know our pnls and everything lines up and you know that's that's nice but like if, if it's something that this this potential buyer or investor wants to keep going in and the culture sucks, that's, a, that's, that's right. A, that's a big red flag. That's not a good look. So for those of you listening that are considering that, I think that's a good uh, a good way. You know, maybe you do want to sell it, but just trick yourself. You know, it's yeah. like you know, it's like getting in shape. It's the same thing. You got to trick yourself to not eat those donuts, even though you want to. Yeah, right. And you can't see <laughs> you can't see it. that on paper. You can't yeah. read that on paper. The, the exactly. culture, right? You can only really feel that when you're in that environment. So I can tell you that I have gone into those places, and I'm, I'm trying to feel that environment. I'm trying to feel like how is that culture set up? And I knew in that in, in that same case for that wedding venue place, you could feel the culture. And then I came to find out that twice a week they actually have meetings regarding building their culture. Mm -hmm. So they're having meetings and they're really driving that home that, you know, we are hospitality. We are taking care of our guests. And you could really feel that. You could feel that level of like, it's like a warm blanket around you whenever you walk into their doors, like they're taking care of you. So you feel that if I'm putting my money with a company that cares so much about their staff and their employee that they're having, you know, two meetings a week on just, you know, giving that hospitality feel, 
that they're doing pretty good. It's not just based on one guy running around telling people, hey, do this, do this, do this. No, and they're really building something to last. And, and they will probably treat your investment the same way. Oh, yes, that's, that, yeah. that's exactly right. And they are very communicative. They're, you know, every quarter, every month, you know, you're seeing communication, you're seeing videos from them saying, you know, fellow partners, this is what, what's going on now. This is the next thing that we're doing. This is the, these are the events. And they invite you over to their events. I went to an event a month ago. And it was a golf outing there. And you really feel like, wow, these people are really taking care of your property. You know, it's, they, they, they call it your property. You know, mm -hmm. you're just, you're an investor there, but they say, hey, this is your property. So... That's amazing. And this is a, just like a privately owned business. This is not like a corporation, a major corporation. Privately owned business. Renault Winery in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, a lesson for all of you out there. That's the way to do it. Uh, you just your your percentages for extreme success just go way up if you do it that way. Yeah. And the guy that's running it, his name is uh, Josh McAllen. And, and he's, a, he's a great guy. He, you know, he, he's very personable and he, you know, he wants you to have a great experience there, but he's, he's also on the business side of it. And he's kind of figured out like, you know what, I can only do so much as a one person individual, but when I have this team, hmm. we're just, you know, unstoppable. And he's developed and put together a, a pretty big team to take down some pretty big deals too. And, and they're going after him. That's great. That's so great to hear. All right, let's take another break. We'll be back in just a few, everybody. Hang tight. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. folks hopping right back into it again today we're talking with Amit Gaglani about wise investment choices um you said something and you said it to me yesterday but you also said it uh earlier just brushed on it uh, and I wanted to um digress on that a little bit or get you to um uh, pertaining to uh the tax situation versus like other sorts of investments um can you just like elaborate on that a little bit how you know working with with some of the investments you're working with um 
give yep. you just a little bit a little bit more elbow room as far as that goes and leave a little leaves a little more money in your pocket yeah so what i was referring day. to is some of these investments have some tax efficiencies that are built in uh not every single one because every single one has its own unique purpose and it's think of an investment as its own vehicle they have certain attributes to it so you may choose to do it for that attribute other investments have other attributes to it for, for those purposes. Um, for example, uh, some of the multifamily, some of the real estate ones, they pass on something called depreciation, which basically means it's a tax write-off. Um, and in some cases they give you a, a K-1 is a partnership return that you receive at the end of the year. And when you receive all that money that you've received in payments, at the end of the year, you get a K-1 that will say, um, return of capital. When it, when it says return of capital, that means you're not paying taxes on it. It's almost like they're giving you your own money back. Now, they're structured that way specifically for tax efficiencies. Fully legal, nothing is illegal about it. it it's, it's structured that way. So you're not paying taxes on that money. Now, when you start making more money than you put in, which takes a little bit of time, that's when you have to stay paying taxes. But yeah. when you do pay taxes, guess what? You're paying long-term capital gains, which as of now is still way much lower than ordinary income taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, In some other investments, like let's say certain ATM investments or some other ones, there was something called bonus depreciation. So let's say you've made money through long-term capital gains. Now you got this money that you have to pay the government because you, you made that money and legitimately you have to pay. But you could take that money now because it's in long-term capital gains and invest it in, let's say, a certain amount of ATM. So let's say you put in, and I'm just using round numbers, $100,000 you've made, and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to have to pay you know, the government this money, but what else can I do with it? You know, If you put it into a, a structure of, let's say, ATMs, you can put in a whole $100,000 and at, you, know, you get 100% depreciation on it. So 100% of that $100,000 gets written off. Okay. And now you put it into ATMs and those ATMs will spin off a couple thousand dollars in cash a month for you for the next seven years. So that hundred thousand now has, is going to be making you $178,000, you know, and you didn't pay any taxes on it. So it's basically kicking the tax co tax burden down the road. It's not eliminating it fully, right. but every year has its own strategy on how do I decrease taxes this year? So that's what I'm usually looking at too, how to, mitigate some of those taxes mm -hmm. right so each one of the investments has some of that too and this is something you learn to just hopping in and, and getting I burned learned. a couple times <laughs> well as a business owner and when you start making a decent amount of income yeah. as a business owner you're, you realize wow how much you're actually paying out in taxes and and it's funny because you know when you first get started you're using that money right you're using that money to to reinvest in the business so when it comes tax time, the, your accountant says, well, now you owe this much money. And you're like, wait a second, how can I owe this much money? I got nothing to my bank account. Yeah. I, I have nothing there right now. They're like, yeah, but you earn that money. So now you have to go pay. You're like, yeah, but I just went and, and reinvested in my own business. So I don't have it anymore. And they're like, yeah, but you, you owe this much to the tax man. You're like, oh, man, you know, where's this going to come from? So you, you kind of figure it out. At a certain point, I was taking the money that I was earning and putting it into a separate bank account so I don't touch it. And that was yeah. for tax savings. And then you really get to see, you're like, holy God, I'm spending this much on taxes yes. every quarter. Every quarter it's going away. So now when I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, not only do I want a good investment that's paying me a bunch of interest, I want to figure out legal ways not to pay that in taxes. Legal ways. Yeah. You know? That's that's the point I really wanted you to get to. And you, you did a great job of that. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, for everybody listening, it's like, you, you're just like all in on your own business and then you get that slap in the face and you're just like, how can I, how can I yeah. at least like negate this? At least like give me some wiggle room because it, when it comes, there's no, there's nothing you can do about it. And when you only invested in your own business, there's no, you have no options. Now, and I can Without tell you right? for a fact, I made, I made mistakes when I first got started, what, 17 years ago in business because I wasn't trained in business at all. I was trained to be a physical therapist and right. I put all my energy into that. And then I started my own business and I'm like, oh, I got to put money into marketing. Oh, I got to put money into this. I'm putting money into my own business. And then the tax burden came and I'm like, oh crap, where's this money going to come from? Because I just spent all that money. I'm it's like, wait gone. a second, how does that work? <laughs> I'm like, how does that work? And so I had to learn the hard way. I'm like, wait a second, so I have to go get a loan so I can pay the taxes. But then I have a loan that I got to pay. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, how's this working?
And you're barely making money yourself, right? Because you have yeah, to, anything that the business is bringing in, you have to pay staff. You have to like, oh, you still got to pay your rent. Landlord hasn't gone away. <laughs> probably making less than what somebody were to make if they were working at like a fast food chain on an yeah. hourly basis. Because the amount of hours you're putting in, if you boil that down right. to an hourly basis, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> you're like, so I'm getting $6 an hour right now. Yeah. I own my yeah. own business. What? I, where? Yeah. Where did things my, go wrong? And my employees are dictating what they want. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, who's working for who? Am I working right. for them or are they working for me? So early on, yeah, you had to figure it out. And yeah, I, I went through all that type of stuff trying to figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, one, one, one thing I would ask your, your listeners, and it's more of a rhetorical question. And I did this after a certain amount of years because I realized like, hey, you know what? If I keep doing what I'm doing, I don't know when I would kind of end that kind of rat race. So mm -hmm. here's a rhetorical question to ask. Um, let's say they had a, a million dollars or $2 million, okay? With no future income, what would they do with that $2 million? You know, you and I know living in New Jersey, New York, in the tri-state area, a million dollars, $2 million, probably not going to last you for the rest of your life, right? So what would they do with that money that they know that they have to live on some of it now, but they also have to look out for their future. Remember, the question is, they have $2 million, but they have no future source of income. What would they do with it? You know, Would they keep eating away at that $2 million until they have nothing left? Or would they want to invest in something that's going to give them money now and also give them money in the future, right? And what would that look like? Because if you do it in the stock market, you know, you don't know, it's a roller coaster. It could go up, it could go down. You have no idea when you need the money, it may not be there. And how are you going to keep pulling money out? You're paying those taxes on it. So right. it's a good exercise to kind of think of like, what are investments out there that are going to pay me now, but also going to pay me later? And how can that work? That, that $2 million doesn't just get burned away. And, and when I first, I think we first, uh, I first became aware of you in Lance's clubhouse room, you were, you were largely talking about multifamily uh, yeah. real estate investment. So that's, that's one area where you, you do a lot of work in and real, did, estate, yeah. in, in real estate in general is solid because everybody needs somewhere to live. Um, it's kind of like yeah. food. Everybody needs to eat, you know, housing is good. Yeah. <laughs> housing is good. <laughs> Having a roof, it helps. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, as, as you pointed out a, a couple of times in the show, there's, there's different ways to disperse that. So it's, it's the difference of you, I've talked about this a lot around here. Like I ask people the same question because, you know, 12 foot wide, you know, wood frame homes go for over a million dollars in my neighborhood. So that's like a million dollars doesn't get you far. You know, nope. what are you going to rent that out? Like a, a single family home? How much do you expect to make on it? You know, like yeah. it's just, it's, it's peanuts, but you're saying take that, take that million that you would spend on one single family home and you can disperse it amongst uh, multiple um, multifamily homes. Is that correct? I, I'm, I'm just posing the question, like, what would somebody do with that money? You know, yeah. you know, like, what would they look at? You know, and honestly, that question makes you look at things differently, you know, because if you're earning money and you're making money, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll invest it. Your, your accountant saying, hey, at the end of the year, if you're a business owner, you know, did you put into a SEP IRA or a, a simple IRA? Because, you know, whatever you put in there, then you have to pay less in taxes, mm -hmm. you know, which does make sense. But then you're looking after right now. Okay, right, because you're trying to reduce those taxes now. Um, but then also the other side of the coin is what are you putting it into? Now, even the investments that I do, you can use your retirement account money. People don't realize that. They're like, oh, I have to come up with all this money. I'm like, no, you have retirement account money. You can just make it self-directed and, and, and put it into this stuff. Mm -hmm. The only thing is you can't use that money because once you start touching it, then you have to pay taxes on it. But it yeah. will build in your IRA significantly, you know, you know fast. And to answer your question, yeah, I've done a lot of um, investing in certain companies that have a good long track history uh, with Greatly Family. They've been in the Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey area, and also in the Florida area. And more recently, I've been also investing in some companies that are like in the Dallas area and, and different parts of the country. But the, but the multifamilies have given you know, quite a bit of return. Um, and so much so that I've invested with them so many times and my group has invested with so many times that now they just give me like preferred rates. So they give us the highest rates. So anybody joining our group, which there's no fee to join our group, literally, mm -hmm. you're just, you know, just joining and investing what we're doing. You know, this company might advertise 16 percent 
ROI annually, but for us, they automatically give us 21%. So it's just the power of numbers, right? Yeah. It's like you said, we're just able to leverage that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and these are solid, beautiful buildings that they're putting up in, in great areas that are very, very populated. Very cool. It's all exciting. It really is. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap this one up. Hang tight, everybody. We'll talk to you in a minute. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. All right, everybody, last portion of the show here. We're going to go out with the bang. Again, we're talking to Amit Aglani all the way from Hawaii, where he's enjoying his month uh, vacation due to his uh, sound investments he's made over the years. And uh, as, as it's been pointed out a few times in the show, what he really uh, does these days is brings uh, friends and uh, other trusted people in to give him more leveraging power um, in, in, you know, as he was just saying, in terms of multifamily uh, residential, um, just just better rates. It, it puts more money in everybody's pocket and, and gives everybody the option or builds the foundation for them to have the option to go to work or go to Hawaii, which is a great, so, you know, something I could get down with. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that company. There's people I want to surround myself with. Um, so yeah, we, we have just a few more minutes, uh, left. I'm really just curious, you know, like what, what you, you know, you've given so much great advice today for, for people that, you know, may be in this position where they, you know, they're making money from their own business, but there's, there's really great options for reinvestment that, that don't hit you with such a heavy tax burden. If you're just investing in your own and just diversifies the way you're getting income to really, you know, set the foundation for those kind of options are, is, you know, what's just another, like, what, what are some of, what are some of the uh, pitfalls you would say to avoid um, for somebody just embarking on that, you know, kind of investment journey? Yeah. I think you, you actually uh, mentioned it before, but you know, don't just read what, don't just get all your information from what you read on the paper, you know, and what I mean by paper is their prospectus, you know, cause you can write anything, on the prospectus um, uh, that makes it sound very uh, tantalizing and also going to somebody's website. As we all know, websites can be created and, you know, made pretty easy by, uh, by smart people to make it look fantastic, you know, 
usually what I'm trying to do is dig under the surface to see what, you know, I can't see. I'm doing my own research. I'm finding out from other people. Like I've contacted banks, you know, who deal with certain companies to find out certain information, mm-hmm. you know, just, I'm just digging around a lot of times to find out what I don't know. Sometimes I find out stuff that that's not so great, but then I realize in the scheme of it, you know, you know, it, it's really not that bad. So there's going to be some things, you know, as people are going through their businesses that there's bumps in the roads, but it's not mm-hmm. all a negative thing. So I yeah. guess the, the takeaways don't just believe what you see written. I would almost be afraid if they didn't have any bumps, <laughs> right. like, yo, it's coming and I don't want to be a part of it when it happens. Yeah. You want to, a friend of mine, a very dear friend, the one who actually uh, gave me the e, the e-myth, um, she said, we were just having this discussion one day and she said, what CEO, like really successful CEO out there do you think has like never failed? Like they don't get yeah. the job. You, you want to find that guy that's like got a, got a solid chin that, that knows how to take a hit and, and get, you know, wobbly in the legs and still come back and, and pull out the win. Like that's where you want to put your money. Not in somebody with this beautiful track record, like no failures, like bro, the banana peels are coming. They're coming yeah. your way. And I don't, I don't want to be tied up with you when it happens necessarily. Cause we haven't seen, we that's haven't it. seen you, we haven't seen you rise to the occasion yet. I think that's another really important thing to look for. Like you said, there's, there's mishaps here and there. You need to assess the degree, like, you know, what were the mishaps? How did they, how did they come back from it? And uh, yeah, it's kind of like the stock market. Everybody thought that they were a genius when the stock market is going up. They're like, Oh, I'm doing really great. in the stock market. Is it you or is it just the the market (laughs) that's doing really well? So, right. Yeah. And, and do, I mean, do you invest in the stock market as well? I do a little bit, but I, yeah. over time, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, if I'm doing long, stock market, it's all long term. I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. short term. Right. And, and Ray Dalio talks a lot about this, like in terms of investment. It's like similar to what you're saying. You really have to play like some smart long term uh, investments yeah. that you're not touching. You're just not even thinking yeah. about that. And then some mid risk things that may give you some decent ROI in time, not as long as the long term. And then a portion of it in more risky, you know, uh, potentially, you know, explosive things, but you have to be able, you also have to be able to walk away from that money. And And then I also dollar cost average it. I don't just put it in one chunk at a time. So I kind of just average it over time saying these are the, these are the ones that I think over time I'm okay with. And And honestly, I don't keep looking at it because every month it's going to be invested in. So looking at the stock market and waiting for it to go up is going to drive you crazy. You're going to end up spending way too much energy on that. Yeah. Nobody got time for that. I didn't just because I had a a crypto guy on a couple of weeks ago. I'm curious. um, What what are your your thoughts on crypto? So I've been putting money into crypto, especially for my kids. You know, I said, you know, because you want to get them engaged, right? You know, kids are at that age where you tell them to put it into, let's say, General Electric, and they're like, come on, that's boring as anything. But then you (laughs) mentioned things like crypto, and you put in such a small amount on a monthly basis that honestly, if something were to go totally bad, you'd be totally okay. But it gets them excited. And all I'm doing is trying to just get them excited to say, hey, we're putting in $50 a month for you for the next whatever amount of time, and let's just kind of watch it. So me personally, I put some stuff into Bitcoin and and some into Ethereum and things like Mm -hmm. that. And I just kind of roll it every month every month a little goes in so nothing nothing much it's probably even if it went to the moon like they say it really wouldn't you know do too much for me that way but at least we're just kind of you know having some fun with it without it hurting yeah and thinking futuristically because i mean what was it el salvador just made bitcoin its national currency Wow. Is that, yeah. Did you know about that? I, I heard something and I was yeah. reading something in the Wall Street Journal that, you know, some, some countries went big in it, but I didn't know what that meant. So, yeah, I just read the title, but that's what they did. Yeah. Wow, national currency. Yeah. So trying to level up, too. It's risky, risky business, but yeah. I get it. And that's the, that's the other thing. Bitcoin, you know, it, it, Elon Musk tweets, uh, tweets something and all of a sudden Bitcoin is, is going up. Is yeah, it right. because Bitcoin did something? No, it's right. because of outside factors. Those are the things that kind of irritate me when yeah. outside factors dictate how a business does. So when I'm investing in a business, of course, there's outside factors like Corona that's going to deal with it. But it's not because somebody tweets something like that. Right. You know, you got to look at what the source and that was like, you know, I, again, looking into, into the, you know, a business, like see how they fared. Now we have a really good assessment yeah. of where, you know, how much moxie people really have, like 
How did they do during Corona? You know, it, obviously, if they told, totally folded, <laughs> you're not investing with them. But, but really look at, uh, you know, talking to them, seeing where their mental state is in response to it. Um, and also just their financials as well. It's a, we have a very good benchmark now for uh, what somebody's uh, response to adversity is going to be like. Yeah. Because it's coming. I don't care who you are, what business you're in, it's coming down the pipe. And it's, I really like your suggestion about uh, with, the, with crypto, with, the, with you know, uh, doing it like with your kids. I literally, right before we signed on, I was talking to my 14-year-old about yeah. crypto and Bitcoin and investment. And like, she totally was like, ooh, you know? I'm like, yeah, if I would have been like, we're going to invest in, you know, Sears or something yeah. like that. And be like, what's that, dad? Yeah. You know, like, but when I said crypto and like started talking about like a Bitcoin wallet, you know, like ears perked up, you know? It's like, oh, okay. We've got, we have some attention here. Because it's hard sometimes getting their attention. It's yeah. not so easy. Not so yeah. easy. Speaking of attention, got a couple minutes left. I want you to let people know, you know, just shared so much great information with us today. It literally like excites me. I'm sure there's other people out there that are excited and probably have questions. Where's the best place for somebody to learn more about you, potentially contact you? Yeah, so they can um, email me at my personal email. Uh, somebody said to me, hey, don't give out your personal email. You're going to get tons of people emailing you. I said, uh, yeah, I don't mind tons <laughs> of people right. emailing me. Although this is, not, this is not a business and I'm not earning money. I like making connections because yeah. if anybody adds on to my group size, guess what? We all benefit from it. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of mutual. So my personal email is Gaglani, which is G-A-G-L-A-N-I underscore symbol A-M-I-T, which is my first name at hotmail.com. So it's Gaglani underscore Amit at hotmail.com. And I'll drop that in the comments on the Facebook yeah. live as well. So people have it there. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah, on we'll, LinkedIn too, but I don't know how easy it is to connect with LinkedIn and things like that. But yeah, they can always, you know, it's pretty easy. LinkedIn's great. You know, and even um, a friend of mine was telling me, uh, cause he's pretty active on there. If you create a, a business profile, on your LinkedIn, like through LinkedIn, it pops up in SEO more oh, so okay. than like uh, you'd like if you created a Facebook page, that's not really going to pop up. But for some reason, uh, those LinkedIn uh, business or group pages get get a nice bump uh, and just like, oh, nice. yeah, that, you know, organic uh, search engine. So, so either way, so you know, whichever yeah. is easier for them. Uh, my preference would probably be email. You know, mm -hmm. I probably check that more often than I checked my LinkedIn account, especially being over here. So, yeah. Yeah. Keeping that social media on the DL right there. I, I look forward to, to visiting you in Hawaii one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we only decided a month over here because we said, well, where else would we want to go for a month? Europe was, was not an option because yeah. it was cut off. Or, otherwise we would have taken a villa in Italy and just hung out there for a month. But Yeah, I'll visit you there too. Both are good for me. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I mean, man, really, awesome. really great stuff today. Uh, I, I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you in the near future. The rest of you, thank you for tuning in. We'll check in with you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace out. All right, take care. Bye, guys. Thanks. at www.talkradio.nyc now broadcasting 24 hours a day hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc i host a program philanthropy and focus Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2 
They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 